It's so amazing. You leave, but then the whole time we was gone, we was talking about y'all. So, so you know, it's just a blessing to have that that family connection, um, that relationship, that that love one for another um, that that we have. And so, I just bless the Lord for that. Look, I want to jump into some things tonight because um, I, I want to dive into some some things. I've been, you know, Scripture comes to mind that I feel like that sometimes we quote it to the point that it doesn't hit us the way it needs to. It says, "My people perish for lack of knowledge." Amen. And so it's, it's so very, very key in this time. It's, it's a difference between information and knowledge. It's a different thing from truth and knowing the truth. And, um, you know, it's so imperative that in these times that we live in, that we understand the difference between flesh and spirit. We understand that we're called to walk in the spirit, to be led by the spirit, that access to every promise and everything that God wants to give us is in the spirit. The greatest enemy to us walking in the spirit where our victory is, where our rest is, where, where everything God has for us is and everything he has for us to do has already been done. That greatest enemy is our flesh. We, we, and I, I begin to deal with on the last time that I spoke and I kind of feel a flow. I don't want to leave this because I feel like it's that important for us to understand the difference between the two. Um, I don't want to leave that flow, but I dealt with um, the spirit of bondage versus the spirit of adoption, that how we cry out is a reflection of the spirit we're operating in. Amen. When we're operating out of a spirit of adoption, it is a pseudo. It is a false form of Holy Spirit where it constantly puts us in bondage over and over again because all we do is bring our bondage to God instead of crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. That is the righteousness of God. That is right relationship with God. He's Father and I'm Son. If he's my daddy, that means I got daddy's DNA. I have his characteristics, and my daddy is free. My daddy is strong. My daddy is victorious. And so we begin to cry out of the spirit of adoption. We begin to decree and declare who we are in Christ. And that adoption becomes the process of adaption where we begin to reflect and we begin to enter into the reality of what we said he's already done for us. Amen. Everybody remember that. And so I want to, to uh, deal with now, I want to go a little bit further in flesh and spirit on tonight. And I pray that I can teach this and I pray that I articulate it in a way where it's understandable. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of take us a little bit further and I'm praying that this, this, this word will be something in teaching that you'll be something that you can understand as it, it is imperative for us if we're going to be a spirit. Our destiny is to be a holy priesthood, a royal nation, able to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Amen. Walking in the spirit is necessary for us to now be kingdom ambassadors, to release the kingdom in the earth, to live out our purpose and be who we are, um, being in spirit. So we're going to jump right into it. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14 and 15. I'm going to start there. Familiar verse, and I'm just going to then jump to Romans 8, 24 and 25. And from there, um, we'll jump into it. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. Very familiar. It reads, uh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You'll see that? Verse 15. Watch this. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, 
but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen? And I'll skip to verse 24 and 25. Um, and then it goes on to say here, for we are saved by hope. Everybody say hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Father, I thank you and I bless you right now for the power of God to minister your word and that your spirit would hover and move, that as the word is declared, the spirit of God would move upon the faces of the deep of our identity, of our inward man, and bring us back into order. And, and, and Lord God, and order us and align us with who you've created us to be. We just bless you for blessing us tonight, that you are in our midst, for we've gathered together in your name. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I, I, I believe that one of, uh, one of the greatest challenges of the church, as I said before, it says, uh, the, uh, the scripture that's in my mind, my people perish for lack of knowledge. My, my people perish for lack of knowledge. I, I believe that there is a, a lack of knowledge, and that lack of knowledge has left us in a state of immaturity. I believe the devil runs us over, and we have such a challenge with doing what God has called us to do and just dealing with everyday life simply because we have not matured as we are to mature because the devil works so hard to keep us in our flesh. Works so hard to keep us in our flesh. Flesh is a religious spirit. Flesh doesn't hang out in the club. Flesh hangs out in church. Flesh studies the Bible. Flesh praises God. Flesh pray, prays. Uh, flesh preaches. It is a religious spirit. We must understand that, that, that seeks to keep us in a form of religion where we never enter into maturity and sonship through walking in the spirit. And so um, I, I want to deal with hope and how that ties into it, everything. Hope, and I'm just going to define hope to begin with, and then we'll kind of flow from there. Hope, it comes from the Greek word LPs. LPs is the Greek word for hope, E-L-P-I-S. And it, it means, watch this, what, what does hope do? What does LPs do? And, and I'm referring back to for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth. Why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Hope, LPs. It, what that literally does, what does hope function to do? It gives us the authority, watch this, to wait patiently for what we've never seen come. Now, I'm going to say that again because I need that to sit on you for a while if we're really going to understand hope. Hope, LPs, it gives us the authority to wait patiently for what we've never seen come. Hope sees and waits for what has never been seen. What? Follow the scripture. Hope that is seen is not what? Hope, right, right? Hope that is seen is not hope. If we hope for what we see not, then we do with what? Patience, wait for it. So 
Hope sees and waits patiently for what it's never seen. Everybody following that? So what, what I suggest to you is, is that hope must be restored to the church. I believe that one of the reasons why we fight so much with all the things that we fight with is because we don't have hope. There's so many in the church that don't have hope and that are hopeless. And it's not because we don't seek to have hope and walk in hope. I believe it's because we don't have an understanding of what hope is. Amen. I believe it's because we don't have an understanding of what hope is and that must be restored. See, I'll say this right up front. Hope isn't holding on to the idea that things can turn around. That's not, that's not what hope is. Hope isn't saying, look, I still believe things can turn around. That's not what hope is. Hope is expecting his kingdom to come. I need y'all to get that right away. It isn't saying God turned this around. Hope is us expecting his kingdom to come. Hope is waiting to see his world that we're not seeing enter into this world that we're seeing. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Hope is now believing and waiting patiently for his world to come into this world. Amen. It is not believing that God is going to turn around this world. This world will not be turned around. The only answer for this world is his world coming into this world and testifying that there is a life. There is a kingdom and there is a king. Amen. See, this is what we got to understand if we're going to understand hope. Hope for my marriage isn't just believing that my marriage is fixable. A lot of people say, I, I, I want to have hope for my marriage. But, 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 but we, we equate that to thinking that our hope is fixable. But that's not hope. Hope is God giving us his marriage from his world that doesn't necessitate fixing. What happens when I'm in a marriage and it never has to be fixed? Because it came from his world. Now, the carnal, hopeless believer answers answers that to me and says, I ain't never seen no marriage where it didn't need no fixing. And my answer to them is hope that is seen is not hope. You don't know how to have hope because your whole point is I ain't never seen no marriage like that. Well, that's, that's the whole point. That's why it's hope. That's why it's hope. See, hope for my soul isn't that when I get down, God is going to pick me back up. That's not hope for my soul is that that literally his world will come into our world to a place where I'll never be down again. I'll spend the rest of my life and I'll never be down for 24 hours. I'll never be depressed for 24 hours and I'll never feel like giving up for, for a day. Amen. And then the carnal, hopeless believer comes and says, I ain't never seen nobody like that. Well, my answer to them is hope that is seen. Is not hope for what a man sees. Why does he yet hope for? We will refute hope because we don't even know what it is. It's us expecting realities that, that are not our realities right now. But they're in the kingdom. They're in the invisible realm. Amen? To be carnal is to be hopeless. To be limited to only believing you can have what you've already seen. When hope that is seen is what? Not hope. So I, I, I'm going to say this again, and it's just so key. Hope isn't holding on to the idea that things can turn around. Hope is expecting his kingdom to come. 
Come on. Hope is expecting his kingdom to come. Hope doesn't seek to fix current realities. Hope is believing that his realities are going to come and supersede these current realities that I'm living in. Hope gives us the authority to wait patiently for what we've never seen. I've never seen it, but I'm waiting expectantly, I'm waiting joyfully, and I'm waiting patiently. Hope sees and waits for what it hasn't seen. Everybody say, have hope. Hope is the only means, and I'm just teaching a little bit about hope, but I'll jump into some things. Hope is the only means we have to manifest his world. Now, if we're really believers, we actually want his world to be manifested. We want his kingdom on earth. But hope is the only means we have to do that. Without hope, that cannot be done. The reason why there's such little kingdom demonstration and kingdom experience, the reason why we can't see kingdom being demonstrated and experienced everywhere is simply because without hope, that the, the kingdom cannot be demonstrated. Without me expecting what I haven't seen, when as a believer, we're taught to expect, we, we're trying to get back to the good old days. We're trying to get back to days we seen and but but God wants to do what eyes have not seen nor ear heard he's trying to bring us into a greater hope because what we've seen ain't all that he wants us to see there's still some things hidden in the realm of the spirit there there's still some realities there's still some blessings there's still some levels of life that only hope can gain access to can reach out from outside of the dimension of the visible inside of the invisible and pull it back in only by I hope can we do that. We got to begin to wait for things we've never seen. Hope that is seen is not hope. Amen. Hope and the spirit realm. I want y'all to get this. Hope and the spirit realm are inextricably tied together. We cannot separate hope in the spirit realm. I, I need y'all to understand this because we need to be spiritual people and we need to walk in the spirit. In the same chapter, Paul says, those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. In that very same chapter, he says, hope that is seen is what? Not hope. Why? Hope and spirit. Hope and the realm of the spirit are very intimately tied together in relationship with one another. Amen. And I want to tell you how. Without hope, listen to me and listen to me clearly. Without biblical hope, it's illegal to be led by Holy Spirit. Without hope, it's, and I'm explaining to you why, but I'm going to put that statement out there. And that statement should be should raise up red flags in us because we understand something about being led by Holy Spirit. We can't be sons without being led by Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That's how we gain familiar relationship. Until we are led by God's Spirit, He might be our God, but He is not daddy to us, although He's daddy. Amen? We gain the reality of that relationship through being led by Holy Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So without hope, it's illegal to be led by Holy Spirit. What is the Spirit? The Spirit is an unseen realm. Would you agree? 
The spirit is an unseen realm and can only be walked in by those looking for something they haven't seen. Because it's an unseen realm, only those walking in hope can actually walk in that realm because hope that is seen is not what? Hope. But if I hope for what I've seen not, I can walk in the spirit because the spirit realm is an unseen realm. An unseen realm can only be walked in and experienced by sons and daughters waiting on unseen realities. We must have hope if we're going to be spiritual people. Amen? Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these be the sons of God. Those who are led by the unseen Ruach. Those who are led by the unseen Numa. Those who are led by the unseen wind of God, these are the sons of God. Why? Because they have hope. Because they have hope. If we're waiting on something we've never seen, amen, then we don't have to hope. And if we don't have to hope, uh, excuse me, if I'm saying, let me say it this way. If we're, wait, if we're not waiting on anything we, ha- we can't see, If there's nothing in our spirit that we've tapped into that we're trying to bring into the earth realm, then we're not walking in hope. And if we're not walking with the hope, we're not walking in Holy Spirit. Because hope is the means by which I navigate through spirit. Everybody follow what I'm saying? Amen? So if we're not living, and this is so key, these are safeguards, these are things we need to understand. If we're not living in biblical hope yet claiming faith, we're actually in the flesh. If I don't, if I'm, if I'm claiming faith, but I'm not, I don't have hope, I'm actually in my flesh. Why? Because faith is the substance of things. If I don't have a hope, my faith has nothing to give substance to. Faith is only valid when it first is preceded by hope. If I don't have hope, whatever I call faith couldn't, cannot be faith because faith only brings substance to hope. Everybody follow what I'm saying? Now, in Scripture, and I'm going to take you a couple places, and I pray that you get this, and I'm going to develop it. I promise you I'm going to develop it. And as I sat with this, I suppose I have a couple meetings today. I had to cancel my meetings because I said, man, as I get into this, it's going to be difficult for me to articulate this without me really sitting down and letting this thing work through me. This ain't no drive-by type of writing that I'm about to write, but I needed some time. And I do apologize for those meetings that I had to cancel uh, you, you all know who you are. We'll reschedule those. But this is um, very imperative that we get this. Um, scripture compares the flesh to a veil. I want you all to understand that. It, as a matter of fact, while I'm talking about veil, if um, Lady Mir- uh, Lady T or Pastor T, she has a, one of the armor bears, could, she has a white handkerchief. I need that. One, a white one, just, a, just a, a white handkerchief. Scripture compares the flesh to a veil. Literally, being in the flesh is like having a veil over your face, is what the Bible says. And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture in a minute, and I'm just going to explain it right now. Being in the flesh is like having a veil over your face. And I need you to catch this. It's literally like me. If if we could consider this a white handkerchief, um, and if it's a white handkerchief and thin enough, even though I, I, I would have it over my face, if I'm in my flesh, I'd be walking around with this hanky over my face like this, right? Now, if it's white and it's thin, I can still see through it. 
It's not that I, and, and if I had a white one, I, I wish I could have an example. But God says when we're in our flesh, we're walking around like this. We're walking around with a veil over our face. And so anytime you have a veil over your face, you can still look at certain items. I can look at my wife, but I can't see details. I can only see her form. I can look at the room, but I can't see the details. All I can do is see the form. Amen? Now, so, so he's saying when we're in our flesh, it's like we're, we have a veil. And so when we now look at the word, glory be to God, we, we can look at the word, but all we actually do is see form. We can now look at God's presence in our flesh, but guess what? All we can see is form. We can't really see detail. We can pray, and all we can see is form. Why? Because flesh, all flesh at its best can give us is a form of godliness. And that's what I need you to understand. That's 2 Timothy 3 and 15. As long as we're in our flesh, we have the Bible's 2 Timothy 3 and 5. As long as we're in our flesh, it's like we have a veil over our face. Now, with this veil, I can see certain things. I can see people's heads. I can see the shape of chairs. You, you know, I, 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 can, I can see that there's objects in front of me. I can't see exactly what they are. I can't give you the details, but I know some bodies there. He said, this is the man that's in his flesh. This is the woman that's in their flesh. I know God is there, but God, what are you saying? I know God is there, but I can't make you out. I, it's, when we're in our flesh, we are conscious of God. We just can't see him clearly. We are conscious of the things of God. We just can't see them clearly. We're conscious of the word of God, but we can only see its form. Everybody follow what I'm saying? And so, so as long as we're in our flesh, it keeps us practicing forms of godliness is what Paul says to Timothy. Having a form of godliness but denying the power uh, thereof. Anytime we're in our flesh, anytime we have a veil over our face, one of the sure signs of being in your, our flesh is being powerless. Powerlessness is always a sign of being in our flesh because the spirit is willing but the flesh is Weak is powerlessness. I, I don't have power not to be depressed. I don't have power not to be discouraged. I don't have power not to go back into the sin. I, I'm going to church. I'm reading the word. I'm praying. I'm praising. But it's only forms. Because I have a veil over my face. And, glory, and because I have a veil over my face, I have a form of godliness. I can see shapes and I can see things. But I don't have any power to live above the, the, the attack of the enemy. Do you understand that depression? Do you understand that anxiety? Do you understand that anger are not issues? They're enemies. We're calling issues what's actually our enemy. That is our enemy that is now subjecting us to him and causing us to surrender to him, although our king has already defeated him. Why? Because I have a veil over my face, and therefore I am operating in forms that give me no power to walk in the victory and liberty of the sons of God. Amen. It's so key. It's so key that we understand that, 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 that that's what um, the scripture um, equates 
being in the flesh to having a, a veil over our face. Um, I want you to look at with me 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, and we're going to read verses 12 through 14. To have a veil over our face is to be in our flesh. In Scripture, to, to, to have a veiled face is to be in flesh. It typifies being in the carnal man, being carnally minded, being in our flesh. We have a veil over our face. We can only see forms, right? And I need y'all to get that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. And it says here, seeing then that we have such, what's that word? Oh, we back to hope, right? Because, because what, what does hope do? Hope waits to see what it's never seen. And through waiting to see what it's never seen gives us access to the unseen realm called what? Spirit. Where we can walk in the spirit. Where we have power. Where we have victory. So we're still tied to hope. Seeing then that we have such, everybody say hope. We use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses which put a, everybody say veil, over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Verse 14, but their minds were, so you can tell that that veil spoke more of something over their face. It spoke of their mind. And when you deal with the mind, we understand that flesh, carnal-mindedness, flesh or being carnal is a mindset. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life. We understand that spirit and flesh are two mindsets. So he's still talking about the same thing we were dealing with in Romans 8. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Right? A veil typifies being in the flesh. Anytime you see men behind a veil, you are seeing men metaphorically, imagery-wise, in their flesh. We're going to talk about the veil being rent. We're going to talk about the veils of the temple. I didn't even have time to go into all that. It's just so much. But I just want you to understand that up front, that anytime you're dealing with a veiled face, you're dealing with somebody in their flesh, right? Israelites were seeing God. He's referring to the Old Testament, the times of Moses when the law was given. They were seeing God. They were seeking God. And they were now reading the words of God. Yet they were doing it all in their flesh. They were doing it all with veiled face. Their minds were blinded. They could not access with their mind what they were seeing with their eyes because they were carnally minded. Amen. They were in their flesh. Things that we've taught. Everybody following what I'm saying? Now, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, New King James Version. It goes on to say this, but we all, look at this, with unveiled face, beholding as, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I probably taught it a thousand and one times. Y'all should know it by heart by now. I've talked it so many times. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, but we all with unveiled face, everybody say unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as how? By the Spirit of the Lord. Now watch this. An unveiled face typifies what? 
being in the spirit. If a veiled face typifies being in the flesh, an unveiled face typifies being in the spirit. To have a veil over my face is to be in the flesh. When the veil is taken away is to be in the spirit. Everybody following that? And so now, so if an unveiled face typifies being in the spirit, the Bible says that through faith in Christ, the veil is removed we then can come out of the flesh and as sons and daughters, we begin to function in a perception that's not prorated. We begin to function in unsifted sight. We begin to function in seeing the Lord without anything in between us and him in eyesight. We begin to see him directly. To come out of the flesh is to be able to see God directly without any objects, any, any hindrances between you and him. Amen. The veil is removed. It wasn't like I wasn't seeing God with the veil. I was just seeing a form of him. I just couldn't see him as he was. Amen. Everybody follow, in the flesh, people in their flesh hear God. They just hear God through the veil. They see God. They just see God through the veil. They, they walk with God to a degree through the veil. Through the veil. Everybody follow that? So, so now, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we're being, everybody say transformed, into the same image. Permission to experience transformation is only by way of seeing him with an unveiled face or seeing him in the spirit. The only way we can see him and be transformed by what we're seeing, when glory comes, the only time that glory actually transforms us is if we're seeing him with an unveiled face. When the weight of God comes in this room and we're laying on this floor and God is moving in us, the only time we're being transformed by what's happening is if the veil is taken away from our face. We can't just behold glory. We must behold glory with unveiled face if we're going to benefit from it the way God has called us to benefit from it. Because I can be in the same glory as somebody else and they get freed and I'm still bound. They get anointed and I'm still dry. Why? Because one of us had a veil and the other one didn't. One of us had a veil and the other one didn't. When we see Jesus in our flesh, or when we see Jesus with a veil on our face, we are not transformed. That's why, if we're in our flesh and we're in an atmosphere, that doesn't mean God isn't here. But we are limited to then go try to change after we experience him. See, when I'm in my flesh, I come up with a list of things I'm going to do to change after I experience God. But when I'm in the spirit, I'm transformed by the experience of seeing him. When I'm in my flesh, I see him and say, this is what I'm going to do to change. When I'm in the spirit, I'm actually changed in the encounter. I'm transformed while I'm seeing him. I'm not going to leave church and change. My God, when I'm walking out the door, I've been changed. When I, when I get back up out of my seat, I've been changed because I was in the spirit. So I was transformed in the experience. I did not, after the experience, say, what do I need to do to change? Anytime after the experience, we got to figure out what we're going to do so we don't go back. We were in our flesh. We are to be transformed in the encounter. 
Every every time, somebody need to get excited about it. Every time we encounter God, there's permission to be transformed. You don't have to do it. It's done for you. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. All I know is a moment there was leprosy in my skin, but the leper, I didn't take it out. But I encountered God with unveiled I used to have anxiety attacks and they gone. Well, what did you do to get rid of them? I encountered face to face without a veil over my And all I know is I don't need to take anxiety pills no more. I don't need to take the heart medicine anymore. I don't. I can sleep all night long. I was transformed. I didn't have to leave and try to change. Amen. When we see him in our flesh, we, we leave and try to make a change. When we behold him with unveiled face, which means in spirit, unveiled face, in spirit, we're transformed inside of the experience of seeing him. See, every time God's way comes in this room, I leave different. I don't have to have a list. I don't have to say I'm going to do this different. My marriage has changed. Glory be to God. My temperament has changed. Glory be to God. Uh, my, my faith has changed. My, my confidence has changed. My strength has changed. And none of it was by my effort. All I know is he came in the room. When he came in, the, I felt him when he came in. I felt him when the song went a certain way. And he came in the room. And as I beheld him with unveiled face, all I know is who the man I was. And I was already preaching. I'm not anymore and it had nothing to do with my works but as we behold with unveiled face as we behold and we're not being carnal amen outside of the flesh somebody shout I'm being changed in the encounter God's plan to tr transform us isn't to give us a list after we meet him. In the, in the meeting him, something changes. In the encounter, something shifts. When his wind blows, something shifts. Second Corinthians 3.17 says it this way. Now the Lord, watch this. This is so powerful. This is a couple of scriptures before, this is the scripture before 18. As we behold as in the mirror of the glory of God. Verse 17, the scripture before it. Second Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, we know this, there is what? My question is liberty unto what? Now, if you read the context of that scripture, he's not just talking about liberty in general. He's even though that scripture can be implied to liberty in general, he's talking about liberty unto the next verse. As we behold as in a mirror the glory of God, we're being trans. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 17, verse 18, as we behold as in a mirror the glory of God, we're being transformed into the self-same image. What liberty to do what? Liberty to transform. 
liberty to be transformed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, please hear me, where I'm in the spirit, I don't leave with tasks necessary to change. I don't leave with new tools to fight my flesh and fix my marriage. Uh, no, 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 no. There's liberty to be transformed right then and there in the atmosphere of beholding his glory. See, what I need you to understand, and it's real good news, we don't have to fight to change. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty to be transformed. Is that, does that help anybody? We don't have to fight to forgive. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty to just forgive them. We don't have to fight to stop sinning. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty to be transformed. Our assignment isn't to teach people how to fix themselves. I'm so sorry right now, but I ain't trying to help you fix you. My assignment is to host the presence of the Spirit of the Lord because where the Spirit of the Lord is, you look. And while you look, you'll get free. I'm going to get What you're looking at is what I'm looking at. See, there has to come a time where it's not me preaching to you. It's all of us looking at him. And as we are all, glory be to God, as we're all beholding him with unveiled face, we turn back around and say, girl, you don't look the same to me. Uh, you look back at me and say, man, you don't look the same to me. Your praise has been transformed. Your joy has been transformed. Your victory has been transformed. Because it starts with me talking to you, but at some point, we get just like this right here. And we... Uh, my assignment ain't to teach you three steps to a good marriage. My assignment is to host the spirit of the Lord. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty to change your marriage. My job ain't to teach you five steps to having a positive attitude. No, my job is to host the spirit of the Lord. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty to change your See, this is why we got to get excited about what we have. Because every time we get together, my God, the Spirit of the Lord is here. Uh, do you understand what that means? Uh, as we behold, yep, yep, as we take the veil off of our faces, we come out of our flesh. Uh, we got an opportunity every Wednesday, every Sunday, every prayer service, every time we worship to be transformed into the self-same image. In other words, God is not trying to make me the best version of me. He's trying to make me like the only begotten. See, that's our problem. We're trying to be the best version. All I can be is the best version of me. You selling yourself short. He didn't say, I'm going to make you the best version of you. I'm going to transfer you into the self. Same. She behold. With unveiled faith. I don't want to be the best version of Jeremiah. I want to be the only version of Jesus. There's only one. It's only one. Amen. All we got to do is take the veil off. Really, the glory is here. We just got to take the veil off. Really, everything we need to become everything God called us to be. Liberty is eleuthera. 
You know what liberty means? It means a license. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a license. That's, that's what, look it up. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a license. You know what a license is? It's permission to do what one pleases. <laughs> if you, no, no, you don't, you want to be free? I'm giving you a license. You, you, you want, I'm giving you a license. You want healing? I'm going to give you a license. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's just a license. What do you want? I'm going to get. A license is literally, watch this. Formal permission from a governmental authority to do something. When we get a driver's license, guess what that driver's license is? It's permission from the government to drive legally on the road. A license is governmental permission. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is formal permission from the kingdom government of heaven to be transformed. See, what I need you to understand is transformation is what the spirit gives us permission into. Listen to that. Transformation is what the spirit gives us permission into into we don't do it it's just done as we behold with unveiled face change on the other hand is what the flesh tries to do see i'm trying to change and that's why it ain't working because you you ain't called to change you're called to be transformed as you get around the glory of god and so change is what the flesh tries to do instead of getting the spirit and already have permission to be trans why would you try to change when there's already permission to be transformed all we have to do is mortify our flesh and actually get in the spirit well i've been in the spirit well why are you still trying to change if you're still trying to change and you've been in the spirit then you obviously ain't been in the spirit and so we got to repent and come out of the flesh your transformation is already in the spirit with no work from you with no work from me or you the work is already done in the spirit all God is saying is I need you to be spiritual Change, I'm trying to change. Good luck. I'm never trying to change. I'm just trying to get in the presence. That's all I did. Now, what, what are you going to do in the morning, Apostle? Are you going to try to change? Nope, I'm getting in the presence. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I'm going to behold him while I got Colgate in my mouth. So if there's anything he wants to transform while I got Colgate in my mouth, don't think that just happens at church. My God, you transform in your car. Anytime we behold the glory, but we got to get in the spirit. We got to do that with unveiled face. Change is what the flesh tries to do after experiencing God out of religious works. Flesh always wants to work for what God gave it. God gave me freedom, so I'm just going to go work on myself. Huh? That don't even really make, if he gave you freedom, why are you going to work? God working on me. Stop lying on God. He ain't working on none one of us. He already finished that. Ain't nobody getting worked on no more. He's sitting down on the right hand of the Father until God makes his enemies. He's footstool. 
Spirit expects to be transformed. Flesh wants to be trained. I need y'all to get that because we got a church full of people who are carnal and want to be trained in everything. There's some things you don't need to be trained into, you need to be transformed into. Train me on how to pray. Come on. Train me on how to pray. No, 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 no. Get around those who are prayer warriors with an unveiled face. And and while you're around prayer warriors with an unveiled face, you'll be transformed into the self-same image instead of trying to give somebody 10 points to teach you how to pray. Why try to get trained in something you can be transformed into? Train me on how to study the Bible. Get around some folk who study the Bible with an unveiled face. Because if they're studying the Bible and they're studying it out of the image of God, in actuality what you're doing is beholding God's reflection on another man or another woman and you're transformed into the measure of his image that they're bearing, not them. Hello? I want a healthy marriage. Tell me how to fix the marriage. And you, give, you can give as many steps as you want. At the end of the day, seven steps, ten steps, fix my marriage. Make my, at the end of the day, none of it works. You know why? Because God's idea of fixing a marriage ain't training you. It ain't training me. It's transforming us. Get around people who are one. Glory be to God. Get around people who are one with an unveiled face, and I guarantee you, you, your marriage will be transformed into the what? You know what? We don't like to get around people who have things that we need, but, but we, we, we kind of stay in our corner because we understand we can't do like we do around them. We don't want to change. There's just a certain thing I like. There's a certain way I like to talk. There's a certain way I like to hang out. We don't want to change. Amen? But we need transfer. And the two shall become what? You need to get around some folks that are one. Because you ain't going to walk around slapping yourself. Get one, get one with somebody. I guarantee you, you ain't going to curse them out. Because you're going to treat them like you treat you because they you and you them. But you're transformed into that. That's not mental. It's like, oh, no, we're one, so we can't talk to each other like that. Let's use the principle. No. Be transformed. Stop trying to be trained. Amen? Yahweh doesn't train us out of sin. Please hear me. That's why some people aren't out of sin yet. What do I need to do? Stop calling them, change my number, do this, do that. Yahweh does not train us out of sin. He transforms us into his righteousness. You can't be trained out of sin. You can't use principles out of sin. Yahweh doesn't train our mind. He transforms our mind into the mind of Christ. We're not trained out of bondage. He makes us freedom. We're not trained out of defeat. He transforms us into victory. His answer is transformation. We're steady trying to get training. So 
literally, the church is full of believers who want to be trained because they're forbidden from transformation. Why do I want to be trained? Because I have, I'm not permitted to transform. Unless I understand, I need to start coming to this thing with an unveiled face. I got to come out of flesh. Glory to God. I hope y'all hear me today. How do I come out of flesh? I got to get, I got to start walking in hope. Come on, I got to start, I got to start expecting and patiently waiting to see stuff that I ain't seen. Glory be to God. I got to get the hope of glory. Amen. Get the hope of glory. Now watch this. 2 Corinthians 3 and 13. I, I don't have too many more points. It says, watch this in 2 Corinthians 3 and 13. This is the last one. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Y'all see that? And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was being done away with. Now, we all know the backstory of this. Amen. Everybody knows the story that after Moses led Israel out of Egypt, he was called up on Mount Horeb for 40 days and 40 nights where he had an encounter with God for 40 days and 40 nights. He was face to face with God and God was taking his finger and writing the laws. Thou shall not. Thou shall not. And at the same time in that encounter with God because God is always today even though he's yesterday and tomorrow, he now when he's in Moses is encountering God, he's seeing the beginning. Y'all know Moses wasn't there in, in the beginning. But he's the one who wrote the book of Genesis. Well, how did you write the book of Genesis and you weren't there when Genesis happened? Obviously, when you saw God, you saw the God that was, is, and is to come. So he was able to stand before God and say, oh, in the beginning, God, <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness covered the How Moses, how did you know, know that? Because you stood on a mountain with he who was, is, and is. No, I wasn't there. But the God that was there. And God said, let there be light. Moses, how you know? And there was light. He wrote Genesis on a mountain after Genesis was long gone. So, so now, Moses walks away from this 40 day and 40 night encounter with God. He, he walks away from this 40 day and 40 night encounter with God and he's receiving the law. And although the law has a shelf life, the law is going to be done away with. It only has a purpose for a period of time. It is not God's ultimate plan. It's not his permanent plan. It's just his plan to now point people to the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. But even though it was a glory that was going to be done away with, when Moses comes down from that mountain, Sister Sharon, the Bible says that his face shone with the glory of God 
that from being exposed to a covenant that was going to be done away with. The Old Testament covenant wasn't even going to be lasting, but he still walked away with his face shining. So now when he walks down that mountain, Marcus, and now Israel sees his face, his, his face is shining like a light bulb. Can you imagine walking up to somebody and their face is shining like a light bulb no matter where they're at? They're looking at his face and glory is shining off of this man's face. And they look at him and say, put a veil over your face because this is fearful. It was fearful to them. It was, it was creepy. It's like, man, your face is shining like the sun. So Moses took a veil. They would rather have a man that they talked to that they didn't have to see his face to get his words. See, that, there's a word in that. And I don't, I don't, it, they had a problem with God on a man. I don't mind God being God, but I, I'm scared of God's glory on a man because they were carnal believers. And carnal believers are people in the flesh have a problem with spiritual people who actually have God's glory on them. You can talk about the glory as long as you don't claim it's on you. No, only God gets the glory. Only God gets it. He, he's the only one that still gets the glory, but he still put this glory on me. And the only people that got a problem with that are people who will never walk with glory on them. Hello? Amen? We were created to be glorious. Y'all know that, right? Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I'm supposed to shine. Now, this is the key I want to make about all that. Paul's observation of their response to the glory on Moses' face was the children of Israel could not look steadfastly to the end of that which is abolished or that which was to be done away with. That was Paul's observation of why they told Moses to cover his face when he came down in the glory. He says, because the children of Israel couldn't, 2 Corinthians 3 and 13, could not look steadfastly upon the end of that which was going to be done away with. In other words, they could not look at the end of the law because they were in their flesh. On Moses' face was a glory that was dimming. In other words, the first time his face shined, it shined bright. But his face was on a dimmer. You see him the next day, it was a little bit dimmer. You see him the next day, it was a little bit dimmer. You see him the next day, it was a little bit dimmer. It wasn't a lasting glory. Why? Because it was to tell Israel that the glory he was exposed to and what, was, what God was doing with him at that time was not going to be permanent. That did not give Moses a permanent glory. The law was not to be permanent. That was the point of that glory on his face not staying there. Now, I know I'm talking some biblical stuff for you all. I need y'all to stay with me. Amen. I need y'all to stay with me because there's a point here. They couldn't look at the end of the law because they were in their flesh. That's why they were still practicing the law after Jesus came. They never looked steadfastly at the end of that which God had done away with. So now the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world shows up and they're still killing lambs. 
that can never take away their sin. What's the point I'm trying to make? The veil of the flesh keeps us from seeing the end of what Jesus has put an end to. Our flesh, when we are walking in our flesh, I'm going to say that again, the veil of the flesh keeps us from seeing the end of what Jesus has put an end to. Flesh won't allow us to see what he's defeated and already ended. See, he's put an end to sin, yet there are so many in the church that can't look steadfastly at what he's put an end to. What does that mean? They're still back and forth in sin. Why? Because you can't never look steadfastly. He'd already put an end to sin. He's already defeated sin. Death has no sting. Grave has no victory. Why are you back and forth in sin? Because you can't steadfastly look at the end of what he's already abolished. He's already abolished sin in the flesh. What do you mean you're fighting with sin? You're just not looking at the end of sin. Where do you look at the end of sin? On a cross when he said, it is finished. But flesh won't allow me to manage. I'll see that he finished sin, but I can't look at it steadfastly. I'll go back and say, but it's hard. Man, it's tough out here. It's a lot of temptation. The devil's so busy. Why? Because I can't look steadfastly at what he ended. He ended that. Only in the spirit can I look steadfastly at what he ended. And understand that I have victory over so You better watch out because you might go back. No, you might go back. For the spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. Flesh won't allow us to see the end of what he's put an end to. God, I need y'all to get that. So when we're going through, we can't see it ending because flesh won't allow us to see the end of it. Anybody ever been in something and what you're going through is so overwhelming that you quit in the middle? All of us have probably quit in the middle at some point. You know why? Because flesh wouldn't allow us to see that God already ended this. Anytime I can't see the end of what I'm in, I go through stuff that I should never go through because flesh won't allow me to see he's already gotten victory over what I'm in right now. So I quit in the middle because I can't see the end. Flesh never allows you to do that. Why do people quit on their marriages? Because they can never see the end. A lot of people quit in situations because they can never see the end. Flesh won't allow us to do that. Amen? We can never get through what we can't see the end of. When you in it, it's going to be like this forever. It lasts for one week. And it's like, okay, the next week going to be different. Let it last for two weeks. My God, Jesus. My God, Jesus. If something don't come through right now, don't let it last a month, Lord. A whole month, I prayed and did nothing change. Well, how long you prayed? For two days. I gave him till Wednesday. It was Monday. <laughs> That's it? That's all you got? Why? Why? Because we're in our flesh, and in our flesh, we can't see the end. We can't look steadfastly on it. 
See, when you're in the spirit, you can look steadfastly on it. In the middle of it, I know I'm going to get through this. In the middle of it, I know I'm going to stand on this other side. In the middle of it, I know weeping may endure for a night, but the joy of the Lord comes in the morning. In the middle of it, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear. I shall not fear neither. In the middle of it, I can stay. I know I'm still here and I'm dealing with this, but I can see the end of this thing. I know as all I got to do is keep on walking because he's already given me victory. He's already prepared a way for me. He's already made a path for me. And I now, while I'm still in the middle of this thing, doing what I need to do, I can keep my eyes steadfastly on the end so I can get through the middle. So I can get through the middle. We all with unveiled face beholding as a mirror the glory of God are changed into the self-same image by the Spirit of God. Let's take the veil off our face tonight and let's behold His glory. You know how you take the veil off? You begin to give spiritual sacrifices. Come on, he deserves glory. You're hungry. I know we're tired. It's late. You want the veil to be removed? Or do you want to try to see his glory through all that? You want, I'm telling you, you're trying to see God's glory through all that means you're going to walk away with not having and accessing what you could have and access. It takes all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It, make, it takes me bringing all of me back in and saying, I'm, I'm giving this to you. Everybody standing to your feet. We're just going to spend a moment giving spiritual sacrifice. In that spiritual sacrifice, what we're doing is is saying, we're going to behold you without the veil. I'm telling you, if if me and you are going to behold the glory without the veil, we're going to have to learn how to be full-time worshipers and full-time praisers. We're going to have to learn how to bless the Lord at all times and let his praise continue. And not just say that when we want to get people excited in church, but actually live the lifestyle of that. Well, man, we're going to have to learn how to give spiritual sacrifices like we've never given spiritual sacrifices. Come on, just for one minute, I want us all. We, we, I, I, my prayer is, is, and I, don't, I can't say if anybody's in their, been in their flesh or, or in the spirit, but that's a question that you need to answer. But I'm telling you, if you've tried to leave what we've been encountering and tried to change, you've been in your flesh. You're supposed to be transformed in the encounter. That's a benefit and a privilege that we have. As we behold them with an unveiled face. Transforming is not our work. Transforming is not by our works. It's not by our discipline. It's not by our putting this in place. Now, the God may instruct us to do some things. He might instruct us to pray at a certain time. I ain't saying none of that. that, that, that. Instructions don't come behind it, but the transforming comes in the encounter. I hope y'all hear what I'm saying. We have a right to be transformed while we're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory.
Come on, there's somebody that's saying, I want peace. And I'm here to tell you right now, your peace is being found in beholding him with unveiled face. Your peace is being found in you blessing your God. Your peace is being found in you giving spiritual sacrifice. Come on, there's, there's transformation available for you in your tongue. Anybody ever been transformed in your tongue? Usually there'll be physical manifestations when the Spirit of God is coming upon you and transforming you. I get goosebumps all over me. Anytime the Spirit of the Lord is just weighing on me as I'm blessing Him, it's been happening for the last couple of weeks, just off and on. And I, it, it's right here, right now. I can feel it. I just get goosebumps all over me because I can feel the Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord is not just there to say I'm here, but I can feel something transforming and changing on the inside of who I am. And I just want to tell you, there's a manifestation. There's a physical evidence of a spiritual manifestation when the Spirit of God comes in. But if He comes in like that when you go in, there has to be a people that recognize I got to go all the way in the way in. Come on, all the way in. All the way in. All the thoughts that we think and all the things that we're worried about that really aren't necessary. My God, if we had placed them on the altar and those thoughts that have been hijacked and, and those thoughts that have been, been exported into other things, bring them back unto our God. Come on, from wherever you are. Just for one minute, let's bless them. Come on, anybody want to encounter him? Come on. Come on, there's been a change you've been waiting for that you didn't have to wait for. There's a change, there's a transformation you can have by beholding him. Hey, worthy Jesus. So worthy, so worthy, so worthy, so worthy. Come on, take the veil off. Come on, take the veil off. Come on, take the veil off. I know how you feel. Take the veil off. I know. No, it's late. Take the veil off. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 God's good is greater than the devil's bad. Hallelujah. The devil, what the devil is doing doesn't deserve more talk than what God has done. Come on. 
nah, nah, I'm, I'm giving my lips back to my God. Come on. I've talked about what the devil's done, been doing long enough. Come on. I'm giving my lips back to my king tonight. Come on. Unveiled face. Beholders in a mirror. Oh man, there's a worshiper in you that's being unwrapped right now. Come on, there's a worshiper in somebody that's being unwrapped right now. A radical worshiper, a, Dav a Davidic worshiper. Renansanda, a worship that God sits on. Come on. Yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just for one moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, take the, let's come up, let's take the veil off. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, our hallelujah can go where our eyes can't. Come on. Bless your name, bless your name. You don't have to change. God is transforming you right in this moment. Come on, you don't have to change. God is transforming you. Come on, repent and, and allow God's presence. Come on. Come out of your flesh and allow God's presence. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. 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 But the veil is done away with in Christ. But the veil is done away with in Christ. Hallelujah. But the veil is done away with in Christ. Hallelujah. And I can see you for who you are. see you for who you are God you're good to behold your face there's something about your face hey. something about your face something about your face Thank you, Jesus. So, God, I thank you that you take the veil off of the face of this corporate house. The corporate man of this house. The glory will be experienced corporately with unveiled face. Every man, woman, boy, girl, son, and daughter. That this glory that's going to come in here... Tomorrow, this glory that's going to come in here on Friday, this glory that's going to come in here on Saturday, I thank you, Lord God, that you take the veil off of the corporate man, that, that we behold your glory together and are transformed like we've never been transformed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's a prophetic wind coming through. There's a proclamation. There's a speaking forth. 
and whatever's said, we're, tra we're transformed into while it's being said. I'm telling you that it is real-time prophecy that's about to break out. Real-time means not something that's on the way, but something that's happening while it's being said. While we hear it, it's going to happen. Come on, while we hear it, it's going to happen. We thank you that tomorrow about this time, God, I need somebody to grab that in the spirit. We thank you that about tomorrow this time, God, you do it in real time. You're not just on time, you do it in real time. Yes, Lord. God, I hope y'all caught that one. I'm telling you, get ready. Come, come tomorrow with unveiled face. Don't come here with a veil on your face. Because there's some stuff being... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's some things ordained. Position yourself for the proclamation, I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. real-time transformation not just of us but situation yes, real-time transformation manifestation Father we just thank you and we bless you for everything said and done everything sealed everything established we magnify you for your goodness and we just thank you that in Christ the veil is taken away. In you we live. In you we move and have our being. Teach us, teach us. Teach us how to walk in you, live in you, and have our being in you. Teach us how to stay in the place you've prepared for us. Yes, Lord. For in you the veil is done away. That no matter where we are, there's nothing in between us and, and you. We can see you clearly no matter where we are. If we make our bed in hell, we can see you clearly. With pain in our body, we can see you clearly. When we're on top of the mountain, we can see you clearly. When we're down in the valley, we can see there's nothing hindering our view. The veil is taken away. And everything is making us like you. So we bless you for it. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of Jesus. Come on, God's people said amen, amen, and amen. Look, we can consider that our dismissal. We love you all. God bless you.
Thank you, Jesus.